Well, good morning. This lesson I did last week, except I wasn't here to do it. There you go. This was a perfect January 1st lesson. You know, Sunday doesn't happen on January 1st very often, and I decided to just uh, skip it and instead cough my brains out. And, uh, uh, and uh, the coughing seems to have not gone away completely, so if uh, you'll just excuse me, uh, I'm hoping I will think well enough to even uh, be able to deliver this. At any rate, it's, a, it, it's something that is, uh, is meaningful to me. Brent, my son, and I, uh, when he came over Christmas time, we spent quite a bit of time talking about this, and he was going to do a lesson on this, and after we went through it, I said, well, I think I'll write a lesson on that too. That sounds, sounds pretty cool. Uh, so you could actually listen uh, to Brent's uh, that he did last Sunday. We were hoping we'd do it at exactly the same time, but that uh, didn't work out so good. But it's so good to, uh, good to, to see you. Uh, we're going to begin with, with just mentioning a passage here in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 9. You might remember that in 2 Peter, uh, Paul, uh, Peter gives a lengthy list of things, virtues, that God wants us to grow in if we are to have a surety and a certainty of our eternal life. But in verse 9, he says these words, For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. I'd like you to emphasize that word forgotten. Why does a person not grow? Why does a person not grow in these virtues or qualities that God has given for us to grow in. He says it's because they have forgotten that they were cleansed from their former sins. God has always been about us remembering, knowing full well that we are an extremely forgetful people. And it is amazing even in our own country how quickly people have forgotten uh, key incidents in, in, uh, in our past, like uh, 9-11, and we have a whole generation that's grown up that doesn't have a good feel for what that was about, or Pearl Harbor, or a number of other incidents that are in our history that affected our nation. And monuments are given often in order to remind the people, remind citizens of these events. If you went, of course, to Washington, D.C., you would say you would see just huge amounts of memorials about wars and, and people who sacrificed and died and other kinds of memorials. It was striking to me when Teresa and I were there four years ago and walked uh, through the African American Museum and just sent chills uh, to me to see what human beings would be willing to do to other human beings. Uh, but it's a reminder. It was there to remind us of, of the cruelty of man and to not fall into those terrible, terrible uh, types of sins and not to repeat those things again. God also, of course, has memorials in order for us not to forget what he has done for us. And that is what the text was about that, we, uh, that was read for us in Joshua chapter 4, 1 through 7. Just to set the scene for you, uh, we have Israel, of course, having been 
40 years in the wilderness. And during those 40 years, God now brings them, of course, to the promised land. A brand new generation has risen up that he has called upon to serve him. They have not done a great job of it, though better than the previous generation. And as he brings them to the promised land, now they have to cross the Jordan River. This was the probably late spring. The Jordan River is overflowing its banks. I would like you to picture that. Imagine that in your mind. Here is the river just overflowing. Jordan wouldn't normally be a real big river, but at this time it's overflowing all its banks. And they're coming to cross that river and go in. They will camp at Gilgal and get ready to conquer the first city, which would be Jericho. So picture yourself on the edge of the river, and God has commanded the the priest to take the Ark of the Covenant and watch them now as they step a few steps into that river. And when their feet step into the river, suddenly the whole river just lifts up and lifts up in a giant heap. We are told that it went away, that it lifted up and, and stopped the river very far back, about 10 miles I've often thought what it would have been like to be fishing about 10 miles up and uh, all of a sudden seeing, seeing the river just heap up in front of you. But imagine you being there and actually seeing that river lift up that way and the priest standing there. And as they stand there, you look and there is a, there's dry ground. It's not muddy or messy or anything and immediately you begin to cross through it. The scripture tells us that they went through in haste. Would you not go through in haste as you're looking up at that heap of water? And 200, uh, two, two and three quarter or so million people immediately went through that river. And after they were through, then God said to, uh, to, uh, to uh, Joshua, I want you to choose 12 men, one from each tribe. And I want them to go into the middle of that river and I want them to pick up a stone. And I want you to take that stone and I want you to set it on the edge of the river. And so they take it up and the scripture says they lift it up and they place it on their shoulder to carry it. This is not little stones like this. These are very, very big stones. And they pick those stones up and they lift them up and they carry them back to the edge of the river where the priests are standing. And they set those stones up and stack them up in a great heap. And God says, I want that there so that from now on, forever, when anybody comes here, they will see what I did. That I, I brought you through, just like I did with the Red Sea. I brought you through that. And I gave you a great deliverance and now brought you to this great promised land. God wanted them to always remember what he had done for them. Now, why was that memorial so important? Let's look at three ways that God identifies the importance of the memorial. There's actually a lot of things we could talk about. We'll talk about three main things that were important for them to understand with this memorial. Look at the last part of Joshua chapter 4, beginning there at verse 20. And read with me as he says, And those twelve stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. So there were stones that 
by the way, where it seemed to be set up at Gilgal, and as the previous chapter says, there's stones that are set up right here at the beginning of the river. And he said to the people of Israel, when your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know, Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over. So that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. So let's notice three things here that they, that they do, three reasons for these memorials. The first is that God's memorials are so that we'll never forget what God did, what he had done during this time. We never want to forget the emphasis of God's deliverance in this particular situation. These stones will do that. And that makes sense to us. All over Tennessee, all over the South, there are, there are monuments that are set up. I've always thought it was a bit sad that they're usually sitting off of uh, I-65 or something, and it's really hard to stop and read without getting rear-ended. So uh, you, nobody, nobody, you can't stop and read the, the monument and what it said, and it's all over our area here to remind us of the Civil War to remind us of the horrible things that happened, that around a million people gave their lives in order to fight for freedom for others. And, and it's, it's such a, a tremendous monument, and if you've never spent time reading about it or getting involved in, in actually understanding what took place in those battles, you don't usually appreciate the things that had happened and how much progress has been made even though we seek to continue to make more progress in that. But all of those stones are shouting something at us. They're constantly saying, do not forget this. If you forget this, then you will doom to repeat it. But not only that, if you forget this, you're not going to appreciate what has happened in the past and what we have accomplished and what had the country has come to and why those battles were fought. But that's the same thing it is with God. God has made these things so that we will never forget. Now, I, I can't emphasize enough why this is so important. When, when you and I wake up in the morning, this should be some of our first thoughts. Our first thoughts when we, when we open our eyes should be that, that God has brought me to this particular point. God has saved my life to this particular point. And even remember what God has done for you throughout your life. When you realize that dependence and that appreciation, it causes you to walk out of your house and be more caring for others. Be more compassionate like God was compassionate. Be more interested in sharing with them what God has done for you. All of those things are, are tremendously important for us to understand and appreciate the things that God has done. They're to change us and make us appreciate God. It's very, very hard to live your own way and just do as you please to do when you're always remembering. And that's what Peter was saying. The second thing that we want to notice here is that he says in chapter 4 and verse 7 that was read for us, so these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. 
want you to notice especially that word forever. It's not just a memorial for the people that were living at the present. It's a memorial forever for everybody who would come after them. Later in chapter 4 and verse 24, he says, So that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. It is interesting to me as I read that, that to think in terms of that the Lord, that the Lord is mighty. In this case, he was mighty to save. That's what he's mainly trying to get them to remember. He's mighty to save. But not only that, that you may fear him, that you may respect him. If he can do that, he can also destroy, which was about to happen to the land of Canaan because of their wickedness. Can you imagine now, as you were the people of that time, and you saw the heap of water come up, and as you walked through in haste to the other side, realizing that God was now going to take you into battle against these Canaanite people, you think you're going to lose? Is there any chance you're going to lose the battle? He just lifted up the Jordan River during the time of its overflow and gave you a great deliverance. Now he's going to deliver you and give you this great land that he has provided for you. So these are the things that God wants us to remember forever, which brings then the second point. Memorials are the, so that we will be for ourselves forever changed. A memorial isn't just to remember something. We partook of a memorial this morning. It isn't just to remember something. It's to change us. It's to change us going forward. And that is a good time to think about that as we're at the first of the year. People make resolutions. They talk about the things they'd like to change. And it is the busiest time of year in all of the um, gyms and places of workout. And I was always happy when February came because they all went home and quit coming and gave me more room to lift my weights and do what I wanted to do. So they, yeah, January was just packed. And uh, resolutions, they come and go. But we are to never forget what God did for us. Because forgetting makes it so we don't change. And God has asked us to change by what he did. We, see, we saw that in 2 Peter. What happened when the people didn't grow in these qualities? What happened when they didn't grow in faith and virtue and knowledge and, and self-control and perseverance and godliness? What happened to them? They quit. They, they forgot what God had done for them. They forgot the great things that God had provided for them. And that's what 2 Peter was emphasizing, what Peter was telling us. We have those reminders for us. In Ephesians chapter 2, you might remember in Ephesians 2 that you have the situation where God said, while you were dead in your sins, while you were dead, He made you alive, for by grace you were saved. By faith, not by works. And then he says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Our memorials should always change us 
should always keep us on track. And that's why every day it is important that we pray. It is important that we read the scriptures. It's important that we meditate and take time to think about what God had done and then react to that. Do you remember the difference in Luke chapter 7 between Simon the Pharisee who ritualistically went through his worship, meticulously visiting the temple as a Pharisee would, meticulously taking care not to touch that which is... <coughs> made it pretty good there, 20 minutes. Not <coughs> reason I didn't wear the mic here. Uh, but remember what he did? That, that, that was really, really significant for them. And when you think about that for us... It's a motivation for us to do as we should do and change our lives. Everything this year should be about that particular change. And the third thing that we should notice of this is if this is to be forever, then it is also that which is God's memorials are there so we'll teach the next generation, so that we'll teach our children. And you'll notice that this is what he actually says. He says this twice. In Joshua 4, in verse 6 and 7, he said, This may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, What do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it passed over the Jordan and the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel as a memorial forever. And then you skip on down at the very uh, toward the end in Joshua 4, 21 and 22. And he said to the people of Israel, when your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. Imagine taking your children to the edge of the Jordan River. I would think it would be a pilgrimage. I would think it'd be something that every family would want to do with their children. We're going to go visit the Jordan River. Well, Dad, why are we going to do it? You'll see when we get there. And go to the Jordan River and stand there on the other side of that bank and look over and see the mount of stones that were set up, that were there even to the days that this was written. And the kid's going, what do those stones mean, Dad? Here's what the stones mean. A few hundred years ago, and then tell the story of what God had done. Memorials are especially for future generations. I think this is where all of us who are parents have made some big mistakes at times. Oh, not that we may not have read Bible stories to our kids. Not that we didn't bring them to Bible class or things like that. But we didn't have enough conversations with them about how great God is. We had conversations about the commandments they're supposed to obey and how they're supposed to grow up and live this way or that way. But how many times did we have the conversations with them that this is who you are because this is who God is. This is why we live the way we live because this is what God has done for us. We need to understand that these are visible reminders of what we should be. And it's important that we verbally and personally sit down with our children and explain to them 
what God did in great detail and picture and how he saved each of us and then use that to instruct them how important it is to live for our God. There's a place for warning our children, obviously, about punishment and eternity. But I think there's a greater place in telling them about the greatness of God. Because that's the most powerful motivator there is. To show them what God should do. And we should emphasize that. Whether it be in what they do or what they, how they act or whatever. I remember, I've, I'm old enough now that I have seen at least three generations rise up since I was a teenager. I remember because my parents were fairly different in how they raised us compared to even other parents in the church. I remember thinking, I wonder how that's going to turn out for them. Other parents in the church allowing them to participate in activities that I was not, I even personally was not comfortable with doing. And allowing them to miss services for various reasons that I was not comfortable even in, being, in doing that. And having just different standards and not seeing them with the passion that God had, uh, should have in them. And when I watched those things, I wondered how that was going to turn out. And I can tell you today how it turned out. It didn't turn out well. Not only did many of my friends not serve the Lord later on when they got on their own, but now their children, their grandchildren, wouldn't know how to spell God. And it happened because they weren't taught to remember. They weren't taught what God had done. They were taught a list of rules. They were taught a list of commandments. They were taught about how the church is important and all of that. But they weren't taught who God is. How sad to see grandchildren and some in my own family, the other side of the family, that don't even know God. Have no earthly idea what it means and what he did for them and the greatness of his sacrifice. They do not know those things. And they don't know it because, because parents failed their duty to remind. Now, just as God gave living stones in the Old Testament, God has also given us living stones. I'm going to mention three of them. There's a lot we could talk about. But God has given us memorials that we need to remember. The first is obviously references the cross of Christ. We just partook of the Lord's Supper that when Jesus instituted with his apostles, he said, this is now my body. This is now the blood of the new covenant that I am giving for you for the forgiveness of your sins. And he emphasized the importance of us remembering. Isn't it amazing that he had us remember it every single week? Every week we're to stop and ponder and eat of the bread and drink of the cup to remember what he has done for us. But understand, obviously, this is simply not remembering, as we have already seen with these memorials. What did he say about the Lord's Supper? You proclaim, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. 
Do you know, the world doesn't know what we're doing right now. They don't know that we came here to partake of the Lord's Supper every week. Your neighbors may even think, my neighbors probably think, I know a couple who do, just think you're kooky because you just think it's so important to go to church and don't recognize the memorial that we are trying to remember here. This is a time to give thanks. When we give thanks at the supper, we're not giving thanks for a piece of bread. We're not giving thanks for some juice. We're giving thanks here and a, that this is a visible reminder that Jesus came down to this earth on purpose in order to save us, planned even before the foundation of the world. And when we proclaim this, do our children understand it? Or is it just, no, you can't have it, not yet. You have to be baptized before you have it. Is that all they're learning? Are we explaining to them that we lived in sin once? We're not explaining to them we did bad things when we were children like them because that's not what we've forgiven for. We're explaining to them that we, as adults, we did sinful things. We turned our back on God. We did not live as we should have lived. And God came and saved us. And we eat this bread because He gave His body and He gave His blood so that we could be forgiven of our sins. And that was my sins, young man, young lady. I committed bad sins. Oh, sometimes we parents want to send the message to our children of just how perfect we lived our lives and how well we had handled things in our lives when we certainly did not. Why are we hiding that from them? They need to understand we are so sorry about what we did. And we are so glad that the Lord has come to change us and to give us what we needed. And therefore, that's the reason we live the way we live. And this Lord's Supper is just a reminder to me of that time when God saved me. That time when I was away from God and stood up on an eight-inch beam that was swaying one side to another and knew that if I fell, I would lose my soul. That time when I prayed and said, God, get me off this thing. I will serve you forever. That's the time that sticks in my mind all the time. My brother said it well when I called mom and said I need some money to get back home. My mom later, years later, said, my brother standing there overhearing the phone call said, let him rot. <laughs> I deserved to rot. But God saved me. And when I partake of the supper, I remember those things. And when I tell my children about that, I'm reminding them that you need to be appreciative and, and give your lives to him for what he's done. Our second memorial is baptism itself. Paul used it that way. In Romans chapter 6, listen to the words in Romans 6, verses 1 through 4. Paul said, in reminding now the Christians at Rome, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? 
By no means, how can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, uh, that uh, we also should walk in newness of life. He says, look, Christian, you don't live in sin anymore, and baptism is a reminder of that. Your baptism is a reminder that you no longer live the way you used to live. Number one, you were united with Christ. You were buried with him in baptism into his death. You touched blood with him, reminding them of the covenantal relationship that they had way back from the the times in the Old Testament when Israel had the blood splattered on them, reminding them of the promise they had made to serve God. But you didn't have the blood of an animal touch you. You had the blood of the Son of God. And when you were baptized in that water, you were reminded that you now were dying to that previous life. That you had touched blood in a covenantal relationship and made a promise with Him. That you would always live for Him and that you would never turn back to that life anymore. And that His grace had urged you on to be the kind of servant that you ought to be. We're touching blood with him, and the old self has died. But here's the key. Have you told your children about your baptism? Have you told your children why you were baptized? Have you told them about how it changed your life and how you now gave yourself to God because baptism was a symbolic picture of how the rest of your life you were going to die to the former life and you were going to live for Him and you were going to live to His glory. Have you explained those things to them? Of all the things that we talk about, I still think baptism is the least taught commandment to our children that there is. We say it every week. We give it in invitations, but do they not just hear it and think in terms of, I guess when I've lied to mommy and daddy that I need to be baptized? Is that, is that what they're hearing? I'm afraid too often they are. Not understanding this is an adult decision for adult sins. That's what we're remembering. And that God... <coughs> has given us this as a reminder and a memorial. And there's one other. There's our own personal memorials. Think back in your life about your personal memorials. The times in which God brought you to the height and the times in which God delivered you from the depth. Remember back at those ups and downs in life and the trials that you went through. Sit down with your children. Tell them about them. Make memorials, not only just in your mind, maybe, maybe you write them down. I've written much, and I need to write more for my own children to read. I've told them the stories, but I wanted them to read them after I die. They're memorials. 
the things that remind them of what God has done even before I existed. What he did for my grandmother and grandfather through the Depression. What he did for my mom when she was widowed at age 42 and all the children were still at home. She had never worked. She didn't have an education that was going to give her any kind of job. How were we going to live? How were we going to live? As a kid, it never crossed my mind. And the grumpy old guy next door, who we never could teach, we never could convince to serve the Lord, the grumpy old guy next door came over and said to my mom, I need somebody to work for me as an accountant. You can learn the work and learn the job by working with me, and I'll pay you. And mom took the job. And about five years later, she'd learned enough to give a, get a job in the school district as the chief payroll accountant. And she retired there with quite a handsome retirement. And she took care of that man until he died. And us kids always wondered, why do you take care of that grumpy old man? And when he died, it hit me. He saved our lives. God gave us the grumpy old man to save our lives. And we never missed a meal because God was there. Those are memorials. There's times we need to remind our children. And you have your memorials. You have things in your life that you need to remember. You need to pass on to the next generation so that they know. Create living stones in your family for what God has done for you. David would often mention the past and what God had done for him in his life in a reminder to God that he knew he was always with him and would always bless him. That's the time. So what do we have? Remember, never forget, and be changed. Secondly, be full of praise and thanksgiving. It's a time of prayer and thanksgiving to God. And thirdly, teach what these stones mean. Teach what these reminders mean to all of us, not just to our children, to our friends and our neighbors, because they don't know. They don't know why. Teach them about the living stones, the great memorials that God has given. If you're not a Christian or if there's any way we can help you, please take this opportunity now or talk to us afterward about your needs. We'd be glad to help you in any way we can. While we're together, we stand and while we sing.